Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Scottsboro Cumberland Presbyterian Church this morning. If you'll turn to the back of your bulletin, I'll run through a few announcements for today. First, immediately after today's worship service, there is a potluck fellowship lunch. Please make plans to attend immediately after worship today. In, at the same time as the potluck lunch, if you are a confirmand, so one of our four that are going through confirmation, you will meet with Pastor Brian during lunch. Okay, so find him in the fellowship hall. Go ahead and grab your food. You guys will meet during the lunch hour uh, next door in the fellowship hall. And then after our potluck lunch at about 1 o'clock, we will have an opt-in informational meeting, and that will take place in the administrative building in the back conference room. So if you're curious about it or want to participate or would like more information, please make sure that after you grab some lunch, you come over to the conference room and we'll have a quick info meeting so that you understand what it is um, and what the expectations would be. This Saturday, we have a CPR class at Highlands Education Center at 9 a.m. If you would like to participate, you can still sign up by letting one of us know or by contacting the main office. And then we have a couple of things coming up in October and November that we are really excited about. Uh, the first thing is we have the Deacon Soup Luncheon on October the 13th. We need desserts for that silent auction. So if you could provide a dessert, please let us know in the main office or let a deacon know so that we make sure we have enough people signed up for the silent auction of desserts. October 9th and October 16th, we will have bonfire choir practice at 7 o'clock in the evening. That's a Wednesday night, and this is for anybody who wants to participate, who likes to sing. It's a bit of a different style of music. Youth, to the regular choir, to anybody else who's interested, come on October 9th and 16th to participate in this particular choir that will disband once Bonfire Church is over. Bonfire Church then will um, take place on October 27th at 5.30, and it will be at Rodney and uh, Susan Bell's barn. So if you want directions for that, make sure you have plans to attend. Any other announcements this morning? Then let us prepare our hearts to worship God.
join me for our responsive call to worship. Those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. They will say of the Lord, God is my refuge and fortress, the one in whom we trust. Those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the refuge of God's wings. They will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Those who love me, I will deliver, says the Lord. O Lord, we call to you now. Show us your salvation. Let us pray. God, our Redeemer, you promise deliverance to those who love you. Draw unto us as we draw unto you in worship. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to comprehend, and our spirits to encounter the revelation you have for us this day. Transform us with the truth of your love and grace. In the name of the one who loved us and gave his life for us. Amen. Remain standing as we sing God of Grace and God of Glory, page 669.
have a seat. We confess our sins because we need God to make us right. We confess so that God can make us whole. So let us seek God's wholeness through confession. Let us pray together using the prayer in your bulletin. Generous God, forgive us when we don't see or recognize your gifts for what they are. Forgive us when we think we are entitled to your generosity. Forgive us when we hoard our gifts and do not hear the mournful cry of those around us. Teach us the way of godliness and grant us a spirit of contentment. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us continue in silent prayer. Set your hopes upon God, for he provides for our every need. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. So with the forgiveness of Christ, let us pass the peace of Christ with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let us share Christ's peace. As we finish passing the peace, I'm going to invite any children to come forward. Good morning, good morning. Those shoes are super sparkly. And their Velcro. Love it. It is great to see you guys this morning. That's very impressive balance. I see it. Uh huh. Cool. I'm very glad. Today, our sermon is going to be about taking care 
of others. Now I have a question for you. Are you guys ready to try something? Can any of you stand up from where you are without using your hands? That is pretty good. Grab a seat. Huh? I can't do it. I'm old. Now, can any of you do that with just one foot? Oh, my. Yes. Just one foot. I saw you using two. Cooper, did you actually do it? I was not watching. Almost. Is it harder or easier? Easier. It's harder. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. It's harder. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. I know it's harder. It's physics. Now here's the thing. Are you guys ready? There are things we can do in life. Some things by ourselves are impossible. And some things by ourselves are just really hard. But God puts us all together so we can help each other. Now, I told you not to use your own hands to help you stand up. Did I say you couldn't use someone else's? I didn't say that? Would it be easy? What could you do? What if you grabbed someone else's hand and used it to balance you? You could help someone up. That's exactly right. Is this easier or harder? Are you ready? One foot. Only use one foot. Easier or harder? Easier. Way easier? Hang on, Eli. Easier or harder? Way easier? Easier or harder? Easier. Now don't lie to me this time. You want to do it? With enthusiasm. Perfect. Grab a seat. God puts us together as a family, as a church so that we don't have to do everything by ourselves. Like people piled up in a square. Like people piled up in a square. Exactly like that. We help each other because there are things you're good at that I'm not good at. And there are things you're really good at, I'm terrible at, and things I'm good at, you're not good at, and things he's good at that I'm not good at, and things she's good at that he can't do. And God puts us all together so that we can help each other. Let me tell you something. Are you ready? If you spend your whole life trying to stand up by yourself on one leg, that's silly. That's silly. Because God sends us to take care of each other. So here's something I want you to do this week. Are you ready? Attention. I want you to be watching for someone who's having a hard time. Maybe there's something in school that they're not very good at. It's okay. Maybe there's something in school they're not very good at. Or maybe they're feeling sad or alone. And what could you do to help? Um, if people are alone, you could go um, fishing. You could go um, just sit next to them. And... You could sit next to them and could you talk to them? Yeah. I think you'd be pretty good at that. If you see someone who's alone, you could sit next to them and talk to them. You could invite them to go fishing with you. Which would probably also involve Pop. So Pop, you've got a fishing date. You could give them some watermelon. We have a lot of options. We have a lot of options. Now what I want you guys to have your eyes wide open for 
is people around you who could use some help because that's one of the things God sends us to do. We're going to pray first. Let's pray. God, this morning we remember that when we fall down, you always come to pick us up. And when we fall down in sin, you forgive us and you help us to be clean again. So we ask that you would send us out to give other people a helping hand. If they fall down, we pick them up. And if they're lonely, we talk to them or we invite them fishing. If they're scared, we give them courage. God, would you open our eyes to the people around us who need help and give us the wisdom to help them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Huh? I know you work. You did a great job. Kindergarten and third grade, you're welcome to go upstairs with Pastor Micah. You take the extras upstairs. Jesus said that he would make us fishers of men and I ended up with a goldfish. I don't know, there's some metaphor in there somewhere, but I'm not sure what it is. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, we give not because we have to, but because we want to. We give because of the ways we have been blessed beyond measure. We will now take up this morning's tithes and offerings.
join me in our prayer of dedication. Holy God, we thank you for hearing our call and for rescuing us. We thank you for the gift of our salvation. Bless now these gifts that we offer back to you, the gifts of our resources and the gifts of our hearts. Use these gifts so that others may come to know you. Amen.
Lisa, thank you for joining us for worship today. It is a gift, and Carolyn and the choir, week after week, thank you for bringing us into the presence of God. And it is in God's presence that we turn our eyes to Scripture. Our reading today comes from Luke chapter 16. Hear now the word of God. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat just what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to them, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have a visceral reaction to this story Jesus tells. It's immediate and it's intense. This story makes me really uncomfortable. It feels unfair. It feels excessive. There is no denying that this nameless rich man should have helped Lazarus. We can all agree on that. He had plenty. Lazarus was suffering and starving. He made a mistake. But then the next time we see the nameless rich man, he has died and been judged and now is burning in torment. And he sees Abraham standing with Lazarus and asks if Lazarus could just dip his finger in water to cool his tongue. Not an option. Evidently, he had all his good things on earth, while Lazarus had only bad things on earth. So now Lazarus lives with God forever, and the rich man will eternally live in torment. Which would mean he's still there, these 2,000 years later, still suffering in Hades, while Lazarus is still with Abraham. My guess is I'm not the only one with a visceral reaction to that. It doesn't feel fair. It doesn't feel just. The rich man didn't ask anyone to come and lay Lazarus at his door. Someone just did. And this man is trying to live his life and enjoy the benefits of his hard work. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have done more. He could have. He should have helped more than he did. But burning in Hades, can't even get a drop of water on his tongue, can't warn his brothers 
that this whole punishment thing is real, no mercy, nothing? It makes me really uncomfortable. I read this story and I want to argue with Jesus. I want to get clarification. I want answers and explanation. I want to help Jesus understand why he's wrong. (laughs) This last week I was with our confirmation class, me and four guys. And we had finished the lesson and we're talking through the projects. They each have to complete a project in order to be confirmed. Something that builds up the church or explores the gospel. And I know the group, so I'm assigning their projects. And I assigned the first one, and it was to Will Harrington. And Will is super social, and he's very friendly, and he's good at inviting people to things. So I tell him his project is to invite people to church or to youth group and to Bible study. And I tell him, and the other kids go, Ha! Look at your project! Ah! You have to do that! Oh, man, that's terrible! But Will, Will is not laughing. And then I move to Trent Wilson, who can really sing. So he's going to help Ben Gossett lead the worship on Sunday nights. And now suddenly Will is laughing with everybody else, but Trent is strangely silent, contemplating having to sing in public in front of people. And so it continued. When people were hearing about someone else's project, they could laugh. It was hilarious. Look at their discomfort. That's going to be so difficult. (laughs) But when it was their project, it was too close to home. That's how I feel about this passage. When Jesus is going on about anger or not being a Pharisee or condemning people for not understanding he's the Messiah or that he'll be resurrected, it makes me feel kind of good. I don't struggle with that. Ha! Can you imagine people don't believe in the resurrection? Ridiculous. Worried about tithing mint leaves? That's laughable. And I can laugh as Jesus piles on the judgment and the condemnation. And then Jesus tells this story about the man who has enough and is so distracted by what he has that he fails to take care of the man in need laid at his feet. I hear this story and I stop laughing. It feels excessive. It feels unfair. It's too much. Sure, Jesus, lay into the people who don't believe in your resurrection. That's necessary stuff. Everyone should believe that. Everyone should get that. Condemn away. Lay into them. I can almost laugh. Obviously the resurrection. Obviously. But this story is too close to home. I can't laugh because I can feel myself in it. I hear this story and people come to mind. Times I knew someone needed help. I knew that even a phone call would make a difference. And if I really slowed down, if I sacrificed my agenda and priorities and I spent some time with them for several weeks, it could really help them. But I let my insecurity or selfishness or comfort persuade me to ignore what I could do. I hear this story and I think about driving by people stuck on the side of the road and I remember thinking, I would stop and help them, but this time I'm really in a rush to get... And I drove away. And I think of times when I knew someone had a financial need. I knew I could help, 
that I was distracted by the things I wanted. When I was young, but after I had my first job, I got inspired and adopted a child through World Vision. Does anyone know about that? Yeah. And our youth pastor had talked about it one night, just $30 a month, and I had $30, so I found the form online and I punched in my debit card, and it was that easy. Boom. And the first month, they mailed me this packet, and the first page is a picture of this child in Uganda, and he's 10 years younger than me, but we lived in different worlds. I was making enough money in high school to send $30 a month without really thinking about it. And his family needed money from a stranger in another country to afford notebooks and pencils. Different worlds. And behind his picture, there were packets explaining how much that $30 would accomplish, the incredible things it would do, the, things, the doors it would open for this child's life. And I put his picture on my desk and I felt really proud. I was making a difference. Brian Tank. 16 years old, changing the world. And the months stretched on, stretched on, and the $30 would automatically debit out of my account, and I'd get a little packet with updates on this kid in Uganda, and I'd get the packet and I'd feel good. But the $30 began to wear on me. My parents now had me chipping in for gas after borrowing the car. And all my friends could drive now, and some of them had cars, so we started going to restaurants or to the movies instead of just hanging out at someone's house. And all of that stuff cost money. And my bank account was feeling it. It was getting pinched. And this kid living in Uganda, he started to feel further and further away. And I started to resent that $30. And months stretched into a year, and then a year stretched into a year and a half, and I felt too guilty to cancel the $30 but I wanted to. So when my bank sent me a new debit card with a new debit card number, I just didn't tell World Vision. They tried to debit my account, and then they sent me a letter telling me that my information was out of date, and then another letter and another reminder, please update your account information, and I threw all of that away until they gave up. I don't know how long after that it was. I was digging through a drawer of my desk and I pulled out his picture. And I just stared at it. I didn't resent it anymore. It was guilt. The $30 hadn't really made a difference to my life. The discontent I felt, the problems I had, they wouldn't be solved by $30 or even $300. I had stopped resenting seeing the $30 automatically debited out of my account. But the extra burritos at Chipotle, the extra couple movies at the theater, they didn't really make a difference to the quality of my life. The $30 didn't really matter. It didn't change the quality of my life. And I just sat and I stared at his picture wondering what difference it made to his. I don't like this story that Jesus tells because I hear it and I remember. I remember that little boy from Uganda 
And plenty of people since that day, too many people, too many times, I've decided not to help, not because I wasn't able, but for my comfort, for my convenience. And I hear how Jesus talks about that rich man, and I get defensive, I get indignant, because it feels too close to home. It feels like he's talking about me. It feels like he's talking to me. Not about someone else's sins, about my sins. Not violence or exploiting the poor or cursing people or denying the resurrection. Being distracted by comfort. So I avoid this story. When Micah chose this text for this Sunday, I argued with her. I said, what about the story before it is so compelling and interesting? The dishonest manager who's being fired and he settles up with everyone, the money that they owe his master, he cuts them a deal so when he's fired he'll have friends. That's interesting, that's compelling, that's riveting. I think that's much better. Or the story about that, the prodigal son. When was the last time we preached on the prodigal son, Pastor Micah? (laughs) Anything to avoid this story. And I avoid it because of what it says about me. Because it's message, a very direct message that I have a sin in my life, a sin that I like, that Jesus says is punishable. I'm not the only one. I asked the internet. I did some research. What does Jesus say about hell? And lots of people quote the story about the weeds and the weed and the weeds will be burned up and the wheat will be put in the granary and it's vague enough to mean anything. That story's everywhere. And then the story about the king who invites guests to his wedding and the one guy shows up not dressed for a wedding and Jesus throws him out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and who knows what that means. So it's quoted everywhere. You know what story they don't quote? It's this one. If I had to guess, it's for the same reason I didn't want to preach on it. Because it's too close to home. I don't like what it says about me. I don't like how it makes me feel. Like I care about my comfort more than other people's suffering. I don't like hearing Jesus say that living the way I live will have consequences, so I avoid it. And if I can't avoid it, then I get indignant. Because my anger creates space between me and the hard reality this story is presenting. My anger is a buffer, so instead of wrestling what this says, now I'm wrestling with my anger, which is a sin, so I have to deal with it. And it's easier. But the story doesn't just say something about me. It doesn't just have a hard truth about us. The story also says something about Jesus. It's easy to forget as we read the Gospels, but Jesus was poor. He was a carpenter in the desert, which wasn't a great job. And then he started his ministry, and he lived for three years just on charity. If someone didn't open their house and give him and his disciples food and a bed, they slept outside and they ate what they could find. So Jesus shared this experience with Lazarus from the story of being neglected, forgotten by those who could have helped. He had that happen to him. But Jesus never condemns anyone for that. No one goes to hell for Jesus' suffering. 
The people who mock Jesus on the cross, the people who betray Him, the ones who cry for Him to be crucified, they don't get condemned. The Bible doesn't list a punishment for when we forget Jesus, when we give Him less than He deserves, when Jesus is laid at our door and we ignore Him, asking for our attention. There is no punishment listed for that. Because that's not who our God is. God isn't concerned with protecting Himself. He isn't concerned with getting revenge. It's not His nature. Jesus' response to being executed is to cry out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus doesn't demand justice for Himself. He does not condemn you for the ways you have sinned against Him, for how you have forgotten Him. He forgives us. He forgives us. But in response to his forgiveness, he asks us to take care of each other. The story, it says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. If you pay attention to this story, and you have to, because Jesus tells nuanced stories, if you pay attention, the rich man isn't condemned for his luxury. Not once. He isn't condemned for enjoying the benefits of his hard work, because there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with delighting in the world and enjoying the blessings that's being faithful. There's no condemnation for that. Until a man named Lazarus is laid at his door, It doesn't say who put him there. The story doesn't mention who put Lazarus at the man's feet. It doesn't need to, because God did. God put Lazarus in this man's path so that this man could take care of him out of his abundance. That's who God is. This story isn't a story about how Jesus is out to condemn people with money. I read it that way because I feel condemned. This story is about how God takes his children, the ones who need help, and he puts them in the path of others who can help them. It's not about God's desire to punish. God does not desire to punish. It's about God's desire for us to love each other the way he loves us. It's a story, a call for us to put comfort behind the needs of others. If our excuse for not helping someone is convenience or comfort, God won't have it. Because God desires us to love each other like he loves us. Brothers and sisters, many of us are blessed. We are blessed. God has blessed us. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those are blessings and we're meant to enjoy them, to receive them, and to delight in them. In that there is nothing to feel guilty for. Unless we are too distracted by our comfort to notice who God lays at our feet. So I ask you, in a moment, 
to ask yourself, who has God laid at your feet? Who is God inviting you to care for? Let us pray. Lord, this morning I confess my desire to avoid this story because of the way I see myself in it. But as we focus on it, Lord, we see that this isn't so much about us, it's about you, the love you have for all your children. So we ask that you would help us to set aside our guilt, our frustration, to open our eyes to those in need around us, those you have laid at our feet, that we might use our blessings to take care of them. Because that is who you are, and we are your people. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now would you please stand, me, stand and join me as we affirm our faith in God together using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. one of the ways God calls us to care for each other is to pray for each other. As we begin taking requests, I will lift up Joey Graham, who has been moved to a rehab facility at the hospital to continue regaining strength. Uh, so we're encouraged by that move and also that he will be uh, doing a physical rehab with the goal of improving and improving more. So prayers for Joey and for his family. What other prayer requests do we have today? For the family of Betty Sisko. Jerry Rosano had a heart attack in prayers for Shirley, his wife. For Mark Bergman. For Paul Hancock, 
Okay, surgery on Tuesday to re- remove a cancerous mass. John Jenner. John Jenner. I'm sorry? Kevin Dukes. Steve McClure. Okay, a co-worker undergoing tests. For Dan and Sue Freeman and Harry Webster. Martha Mock Peppers and Zelda Wilson. Eliza Jane Moore. Okay. Tanya Hallie. For John and Sharon Fry. For Drew Thebus. George Buckner. For Stan. Brothers and sisters, God has laid these people at our feet that we might care for them. And we know that prayer has power. So let us take them to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, often we have been beaten down by this world. We know so many who have been beaten down by this world over and over again. But we have also seen your goodness and faithfulness around us. We have seen your spirit move and work miracles, miracles of comfort and joy, even miracles of healing. We believe in you. We believe that you will take care of us and provide for our every need. So in moments of pain and hardship, draw us near to you. Give us your spirit that we might endure each day no matter what it might bring. Lord, give us eyes to see those who you lay at our feet, that we might meet them with an encouraging word, with prayer, with comfort giving them from what you have given us. We ask that you bless all the work of our hands as we pray in the way you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you please stand and join us in our closing hymn, the Solid Rock, hymn 517.